Welcome to Shoot the Breeze, a series on a podcast that celebrates the messiness of life, relationships, and Christianity, featuring my wife Lacey and myself, Nathan. It's creatively titled because it will be just us shooting the breeze, uh, sometimes with guests, while occasionally saying something important. We hope you enjoy. I dressed up for this podcast. You did. You look really dressy. Thanks. Really formal. Yeah. Did I, you do the cutoffs on the sweats yourself? I did do the cutoffs on wow. my sweats myself. Impressive work there. I, I, I just wanted to be comfortable. Yes. I call them my pirate sweats. They're very, they're very nice. <laughs> I love them. <laughs> How are you? I I feel I don't feel good. I tried to get out of this podcast several times and I would make excuses and Nathan kept just making me do it because I know I'm going to be coughing through the whole thing. Oh. Because I have that horrible cold that he complained about last time. <laughs> so Isn't it ironic? I know, right? <laughs> so <coughs> Yeah. So anyway, it's funny. It's like I was thinking today that nowadays when you get a cold or something, this is my first cold this year. We've actually been incredibly healthy. Yeah, we haven't really gotten it. I mean, the girls will get the tummy bugs, but I haven't gotten anything. Right. And I almost feel like you almost can't tell anybody you have a cold. Like, I know. Keep it secret. Keep it safe. (laughs) Well, it's it's so funny when you go to the store and, you know, someone else, when someone else coughs, it doesn't bother me. Like, I normal but when like i cough i'll always get the stink eye well you have your cystic fibrosis well, i know but i mean like anyone else then like you if you have a cold or if anyone else has a cold and they people start coughing and they're like it, does, it feels like they're gonna start stoning you right exactly <laughs> it's just a cold but now people don't even they don't you know i don't know anyway i have a cold and i already apologized to nathan because this is a pretty miserable one and I was giving him a hard time about it. But it actually, my cold actually gave us our subject for our podcast today. Did it? It did. Because I was in the kitchen and I was making myself some, like the Theraflu stuff you put in a cup. And um, I was, I was going to drink it. And I was thinking about back in the day when I was in master's commission when I was 18 and the leader there, the main leader, would give us talks about um, how not to get sick, like different things we could do on not to get sick, which I mean is helpful, is valuable learning like how to not get sick. But really the purpose of it was so that we would be able to work really hard and not miss any days. Right. Yeah. So that we were more it, productive. It wasn't. It wasn't. <laughs> A concern for your health. No. It, it was a concern of your servitude. Right. Like, they didn't want they didn't want us to take any sick days. Like, chop, chop. We had to be exactly. going strong. Yeah. So I started talking to Nathan about it because it just struck me as, I mean, it's not funny, but it was kind of funny because I'm feeling so terrible today. And I was just like, you know, I'm almost 40. If I don't feel well, I'm like, mm, there goes the day, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Um <laughs> I just don't, I don't push my health like I used to. And um, so I was just thinking about that and it made me start, I was thinking about her, the, the leader, and wondering what happened to her, like where 
her ministry was at now. And so I was looking her up, and it brought me down this rabbit hole of... Um, you went, like, on a deep dive. I did go on a deep dive. I for did. For hours. I mean... Babe. A few. <laughs> it's been, like, three hours. Well, like, I... <laughs> I, I'm, I, yeah, I wasn't doing anything productive today. So, yeah, I did. <laughs> so, anyway, I got on this, I don't know, it's like a petition to change site where people, they're collecting signatures. Basically. To remove be, her from to ministry. To remove her from ministry because yeah. of um, accusations going back to a ministry that she was in charge of about 13-ish years ago. And I was like, wait, wait, wait. 13 years? 20 years ago let's right. go back 20 to 25 years ago i mean this is not new and i was just telling nathan i'm like you know everything comes out in time like yeah you know and i do believe that i believe everything comes out in time if you give someone long enough their character is going to show up but um well it was funny because it was like you were telling me this petition over the last decade or whatever and then you're kind of bringing up your own stories kind of like you know like what about us? You know, what about the Right, place? like, you know? just these people 13 years ago, they don't get to only have a voice. But um, yeah. basically, it was one of these. So in the in the petition, there was, like, these uh, reasons why people could say that they're, you know, signing it. And a bunch yeah. of people, actually, that went to the same place I went were, were on there saying the same thing, which is not funny. But it's funny because I feel so justified. Like, yeah. No, no. Hey, hold on. Real quick. Serious, though. This is something that has not only impacted Lacey's personal life. This is this was a ministry school that has impacted our marriage. It's impacted our kids. It's impacted how Lacey ministers. I mean, this has such deep roots and such a deep impact that when, you know, these people from a decade ago were getting their you know feel like they're justice or whatever no no no, no. The not petition, justice what would it be no the petition was just the created petition, last yeah. year oh no it was they said that the, they said the abuse started oh, in 2007 no, and i said no it started yeah. in 1997 <laughs> like it's well earlier right probably, like yeah. it's not just been 10 10 ish 15 ish years 20. it's been 25 years yeah. and yeah, and, and so that kind of got Nathan and I on a discussion of spiritual abuse and cults <laughs> and um, what they look like and the harm that they have to people and really how they cause people to walk away from um, the church at the, the least and God at the most, like yeah. that they have such harmful long-term effects. And I was telling Nathan as I was reading over what people were saying um, I, I think for me, I, I don't know, for, for so many years, I mean, how many years has it been? 20 years. And yeah. up until last year, I was still occasionally have a dream yeah. where I would feel super powerless and be back in a situation that I was when I was, you know, 18, 19, which is so funny. And I just thought I was so, um, I don't know what the right word is. Dramatic, I guess, is yeah. the word. That it was still impacting me or that it still had a little bit well, of roots well, into my brain. You hold know? on. So tell some of the stories because I feel like there's – I mean, they're, they, there are funny stories, but incredibly dangerous. Incredibly right. dangerous. Well, and I'm going to say this kind of back to your, you know, your serious caveat 
is that I personally believe that spiritual abuse is one of the most harmful things that can happen to someone. Yeah. Because it can pull them away from God. Well, it, the the reason is, and I'm so I'm speaking from the perspective of having a pastor who was a dad who was abusive. Um, and so mine comes in the aspect of things I heard my dad use the Bible for to right. justify. Like the whole writing and, scriptures as a punish, punishment thing? No, not even that. Like yeah, I just that hate is, that. That's my own personal soapbox. I, yeah. box, I think that's terrible. No, I we did have to write out and study out stuff. Um, but no, I'm talking about... Here's the Bible. This is your punishment. Right, but I've... It, it, and not just from Don't my, you dare pray. <laughs> God is going to punish you, so there. Um, Go to your room where he can deal with you. Mm -hmm. Um, No, I'm talking about, like, my dad's abuse and how... And I've not only heard this from my dad. I've heard it from other people who have suffered spiritual abuse, but basically they look at verses in Scripture dealing with wives and how they are to treat their husbands and justify that as a reason they can right. they can do what they can do and so that that level of spiritual abuse and i think why it's so so um devastating is because that person has been set up to represent god they've been set up to be in a place and i'm not talking about how healthy or unhealthy that might be but just simply by their position they've been set up to be in a position to re- represent god much much like the old testament priests were right and what happens is then they do something, they're hurtful, they're offensive, they're abusive, they're, you know, fill in the blank. And all of a sudden, all of that angst and bitterness is not only justifiably toward that person, but then it's also like, oh, okay, they, they represent God. If God is like this, then I want nothing to do with it. Um, it's fascinating to look at all of the give you an example all of the most ardent militant atheists today were at one time in a church you think all of them every single Across one the board. every single one that i've done ever every single one in i've the done in the history a, of the universe oh my goodness. <laughs> sorry that i've done a deep dive on you're just not giving yourself any kind of like well no I'm, I'm just saying like everyone that i've done a deep dive on whether it's richard dawkins um there's a few other ones that, out there but the ones that I've researched, they all were a part of a church and had spiritual abuse. Interesting. And um, well, I know, I know personally the people that I've worked with—not just my own story, but the people that I've worked with that have experienced spiritual abuse. That it takes a long time to come not just, out of that. You know, not just a long time. It takes incredible intentionality, right? You, you, ha- it's not something. And it's separating the character of God from what happened to you or yeah. what was told to you. Yep. And really relearning a lot of these concepts that you thought were actually characteristics of the Father toward towards you. Oh yeah. yeah. Um, I think one of the most devastating things that came out of my experience was because I was already kind of bent towards a performance mindset going into this internship I guess I don't know what else to call it to make it relatable ministry school experience and it was so performance based it I literally would just think um I mean I was like 20 and I'm like why should I even go on it's just exhaust everything's exhausting it's just I can never win this there's no joy in this it's just 
it's it's just all work and I'm, it's never enough and so this performance in you know normal life became the spiritual yeah performance you know and and I had to earn and keep moving at this pace that really was unsustainable right. for me and so the first I was there at the school for two years and the first year was I, I still liked it, and it was a challenge. Like you got invited back for the second year. You didn't, you didn't just come back. You got invited Ooh. back. Yeah, and how exclusive. I know. And then um, the, I so the first year was rough, but it wasn't. I pushed through right, and I wanted to be able to be invited back. So I got invited back the second year. My second year was like the worst depression I've ever walked through in my life to this day. Hmm. Um. And I was so, so excited when that year was done. I mean, I barely, <laughs> barely made it. And I remember they called me into my interview, you know, because they made a big deal about this interview for third year and wanting to know, you know, you know, are you interested in a third year? And I was like, no, I'm not. And I remember her, is- my interviewer, being very surprised and be like, oh. And I was like, okay, great. Have a great day. Bye. <laughs> I'll see you later. <laughs> I'm leaving this circus, man. Which yeah. I don't know why I didn't just leave. I don't know. I don't know why I didn't just leave. Because you were performance. You would yeah. have if if you didn't perform, you viewed yourself as a failure. And on top of that, the perspective of the school is. I mean, tell them what you would. What would they say about people who? Oh, would so leave? people that left or got kicked out. I mean, they were, especially the ones that just chose to left to leave. They were treated like they were walking away from God. Not this like small ministry program in Illinois like you know (laughs) it's so ridiculous and we would mourn them we would mourn their 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 leaving and I think about it now I think about Nathan and his personality and he would have packed his bags and been out the first (laughs) I would have been sorry deuces guys you know (laughs) you do your deal (laughs) because so much of it was ridiculous and they really based your salvation on so many things that were not that were performance-based. Well, and like you said, if they got kicked out or if they left the program, essentially they were saying, okay, this person has lost their salvation. They're right. no They're longer. They're walking away from God. Right, right. And I, honestly, I think about it now, that puts a big fear in you about mistakes. Oh, yeah. That you're not safe to make mistakes with the Lord. And you're we're so safe to make, like, it's okay. Yeah. It's okay if we make a mistake. God is with us. He's for us, you know? So, um... I have a couple, I have a few questions. Um, what were, well, and I was going to say, it's the same thing in my family that, you know, we weren't allowed to make mistakes. Like it, it was, there was no, you know, ranking of punishment. It was all or nothing, you know. Um, and, and so with this, I, I break up a little bit of the seriousness with, can you tell some funny stories from well, those days? I don't want to, I guess I'm worried about like, classifying them as funny stories because for some people these might have been like really well no 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 traumatic but i've worked through a lot of them so they are funny i guess they're funny to me now because i look at the ridiculousness of it and i'm like why did i go but some of these were incredibly serious like like just okay why did i go along with this right like almost 40 year old me is going back to 20 year old me saying (laughs) what is wrong What's wrong with you? Oh, young Lacey, you have so much to learn. Why do you think about this? Well, I guess I want to start kind of at the beginning. Is that okay? Okay. So the beginning of my story is of this ministry school, and as to why I went, is um, and here's a mind. 
Here's a little bit of a mind tricksy thing is I believe 100% God used this program in my life and that he redeemed it mm-hmm. and that he redeemed pieces of it. I don't feel like it was a mistake to go per se. I think that what people chose to do and the positions they have were their own choice. Does that make sense? Right. Well, and the reality is, is you were following a path that you, you didn't know any other path. That's maybe what, you know, right? Like getting into this ministry. I followed the path I thought that I was supposed to be going for that. I thought the Lord was leading me in. So when, wait, wait, when you were 18, you made a decision. Can you tell Tell me what that decision was. So I really, I switched my plan. So I was going to go, which is going to sound crazy. I know it's going to sound crazy. I was going to go to a four-year liberal arts school. I had been lauded to go to this school since I was, I don't know, 10. I wanted to go here. And um, I had it all planned. Everything was set up. My financial package was ready to go. And that year, I just had an experience with the Lord and I went through this season of wrestling as to not wanting to have control over it all anymore. Like, I just wanted to know the Lord. And and it was an intimacy that I had with the Lord like I'd never had before. And so I, I felt like I had a choice to make, that I can continue to try to control my future or that I could just lean into the Lord and, and trust him. And um, so I went through a few months of wrestling through that, and finally I chose that I was, I was going to— not go to the school and then I was going to lean into the Lord and all I could think of is that I needed to go to a Bible school but because me planned out girl hadn't planned this out I didn't know what to do and (laughs) there was a traveling ministry that had come through our church and thinking about it now they weren't even that great (laughs) that's your that's your first signal okay babe well (laughs) but the thing about it is they just could spend all their time serving the Lord and loving the Lord. And I was attracted to that. And so I just Googled um, Master's Commission because they were, I think they were from Colorado. And I Googled Master's Commission. And the biggest one in the country at this time was Rockford. And Phoenix might, you know, that might be fighting words for the Phoenix Masters. I was going to say, of course you would pick the the most uh, prestigious one. It's not prestigious. I mean, the, it was a master's commission, so it's, it's the not the biggest like, one, though. Of well, and it was close. I was raised yeah. in Michigan, so we didn't venture very far, you know. <laughs> and it was in um, north of Chicago, yeah. So it was only about four hours away. So I applied, and um, there was a few things that I felt confirmed that this this was supposed to. This is what I was supposed to do. So I went ahead with it, ended up going, and. Um, you know, upon getting there, I don't really know what to expect, <laughs> honestly. But, and and like I said, there was a lot of good and redemptive things that the Lord year, used. But the all-around culture, and this is what two years showed me, the all-around culture there was a culture of performance. Yeah, It was a culture of... Um, my brain is really foggy with the cold, but what's it when you have different class systems or different? Hierarchy. Yeah, hierarchy. A hierarchical Yeah, so the longer you had been there, the more more power and authority you had. Yeah. Even though we're dealing with like 18 to, their oldest person was like 25 years old. You know what I mean? So it's not, it was just kind of ridiculous in the authority structure there. And 
you there was a lot of strict rules so one of the strict rules was you couldn't date your first year there was no dating you couldn't have a job even if you were broke like I was so broke, you guys. I was, I'd do a whole car wash with those squeegees from yeah. the gas station. You know, I was just so broke for so long, but you couldn't have a job. And then um, you just had whatever your leader said was absolute law. So if they told you to do it, you did it. And they really utilized that and they, they didn't really do a good job um, teaching you to care for yourself. So there was a lot of. Well, they did in in that they were they cared enough that you would be able to still work for them right and so i mean they would work us to the point of exhaustion where we were just getting a few hours of sleep a night and i lived about a half hour to 45 minutes away from the school and so some nights when we were only given two three hours a night to sleep i wouldn't really it wouldn't really make a lot of sense to go home you know um i always did but just because i needed just i'm such a I'm actually an introvert, so I actually needed time away, and so I was kind of glad my home was a little bit farther away because I felt so like I could kind of get a break. Um, But at the time, I was just so young, I didn't recognize even what this feeling was, this desire to get away, this desire to have my own space. Thank you so much for listening to our podcast. This is one of the many resources we make available for free at our website, cultivaterelationships.com. Our resources have helped people grow in their relationship with God and others. Uh, We've seen people set free from uncontrollable anger and paralyzing fear. We've witnessed estranged family members be reunited after working through our freedom booklet. We've helped people build healthy relationship and coping habits through our coaching videos. And all of these resources are made available for free because of the generous support of people like you. If you would like to become a partner, please visit cultivaterelationships.com slash support. Now, I hope you enjoy the rest of this episode. So right away, you know, I go to the school and they are completely integrated with the youth group. So your main purpose was to not only do things for the master's commission but you were to be leaders in the youth group which was really entwined with the church so you were mm-hmm. set up right away as leadership in the small groups which is funny because a lot of the kids that were my friends you know they're like yeah i smoked my last joint before i got here you know i got you know all this stuff like they and they were put into leadership right away right. which right. is insane yeah. like not that I don't think that can ever happen, but leadership is something that is a lot of pressure for somebody. It, and it, I don't think that kind of pressure should be put on people that quickly. Well, that, and I would say barring discernment, right? Like like a move of the Holy Spirit in someone going, hey, I really feel like you have leadership qualities in you. There's a, there's always a season of, of testing, of, of building character, which is one of the biggest things Timothy and Titus talk about as qualifications for leadership is there's a season, right? There's a season of testing. There's a season. Right. And it's all, like I said, barring a word of knowledge or a a word of, of discernment. It there's, there's testing. Right. And And you guys didn't have that. No. And (laughs) I mean, you had to apply and all that. And so I think there was a little bit of a vetting process. Listen, I could put some words on an application. I know. <laughs> Doesn't mean I'm good I know. Leader. And I think one of the main issues that it, it kind of had the uh, 
the unintended consequence on the youth groups is they knew that their their leadership would only be with them nine months, right? Yeah. I mean, some people stayed there for years and years, but But really, that was part of the culture again. Yeah, is that you kind of dive in and you kind of go after these kids really strong for nine months, but really you're, you, you're just doing it to kind of um, be appraised, I guess. Yeah. yeah. There was, there was a, a real um, pressure put on you for discipleship and what that was supposed to look like. And, and I remember, you know, one of the, the teachings was that, you know, you um, lifestyle discipleship, which I actually believe in. Um, so hear me out on this. So the teaching is this, that if you want to disciple somebody, there's all kinds of definitions of discipleship, but we're going to just go with the definition of if you want to teach somebody how to live like Jesus, that the best way to do it is to have them live life with you. So if you're going to the grocery store, they go to the grocery store. If you're sitting at home watching a TV show, they're sitting at home with you watching a TV show. If you're making dinner, they're making dinner with you. Like you are constantly with people doing life with them. And I don't disagree that being with people is the way. Being with people in real life circumstances. Yes, that's awesome. Yep. I also was not self-aware enough to realize that being with somebody every waking minute makes me want to stab my eyes out. I, <laughs> I am not that person. Like, yeah. my daughter is. Like, she yeah. can't get enough of people. And I'm like, I've had my time with people today. <laughs> and right. so my soul was just getting sucked out. And I remember they, they would reprimand you and they say, if you have one night a week where you're not with somebody, if you're not hanging out with someone, if you're not living life with somebody, then you're not doing what the Lord wants you to do. That's so horrible. And and so I just felt so fried all the yeah. time. It's like I would do my, whatever the schedule is they had for us, you know, the coal mine schedule we had during our day. And then we had our <laughs> small group schedule. And then we had our free time, which was supposed to be spent with people. With people. So it's not actually free time. And and it well, was... and you guys were so exhausted. Like there were times where you'd be driving home, falling asleep at red lights. Well, okay, so like there was no, not... actual sleep deprivation. There was crazy sleep deprivation. That was yeah. actually one of their training tools they used was sleep deprivation. Yeah, so it was the very Marines. intentional. It was very intentional. At least in the Marines. And I think that was the thought is using a lot of the military style tactics. Um, so one of the funnier stories. Do you get to shoot a gun afterwards? I mean, what's the what's the benefit of this? So Jesus loves you more. <laughs> <laughs> but, but OK, so I <laughs> so I was working on this project and in my master's, we did this project every year called it's guys, you're going to make fun of me, but it's called the House of Horrors. And it always gets pronounced wrong, but it's horrors, the house of horrors. Hor and horrors. Horrors. And we H -O -R -R. would O R R. Yes. Yeah. We would do this wanna... every fall. Yeah. And during it, we would build this entire uh place, like haunted house. Haunted it's house. Like haunted, yeah, except yeah. for it was like some things were really scary. Like they actually did a good job giving the good 
bright things, but some things were like drunk driving and cars impaled by a pole and then, you know. Classic Christian stuff. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, but I mean, he got like 30,000 people through it and it was a huge moneymaker for our master's commission. Huge. For the leadership, huge. not. Well, I mean, not for the students. We actually paid to go to this thing. No, no, I'm saying not I mean, we paid to go to master's. Yeah, I know. We paid to work. Right. All and they used you and made To money. fund the program and to fund yeah. the staff. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, but yeah, so they get a bunch of people <laughs> through there and there was an outreach and, um, but basically they just had a slave laboring it. So everything outside your normal classes you were in, you were, you were building stuff. And so they'd say, hey, you need to make this room look like a living room. And then they'd say, um, it needs to be done by tonight. And then you would ask, how am I supposed to get the furniture to do this? And they'd say, make it happen. <laughs> and so, like, you you just had to make it happen. And if that meant, like, calling around and asking people to give you things, that's no, what you did. students would steal stuff. Well, I mean, a friend told wrong? me that... I heard stories about that, but I don't want to push that out there too far. I, I do know this. I do know that the, the, the shops and the businesses weren't huge fans of ours because we'd always be calling for freebies, right? And <laughs> But, yeah, literally, you were not given what you needed. You, but you then were, you're told make it you're happen. You're told to make it happen. And I'm a make it happen kind of a girl anyway. But which, that, which really played into right, that. Right, right. Um, but when you come to an actual it also does teach you a bad lesson about not learning boundaries. Yeah. Because there are boundaries <laughs> for yourself and others. Right. And sometimes you can make something happen, but you might need a certain time or whatever. And anyway, so we wouldn't make this thing happen. And, um, I remember one specific night I'm actually going, I'm getting back to your driving thing, but one yes. of the, the whole season. So we're building the house for 30 days, I think. I don't know how long. It felt like 30 days. Maybe it was only a week and a half. I don't Probably even like remember. like 30 hours. That's yeah, it. I don't even <laughs> I don't even remember. But it was uh, this, ugh, felt like a million years. We're building this house. We're getting it done. And then we have to perform in it. So every day you're showing up and given a role. And I was given some terrible roles because I was, um, I was not, a popular kid in the cool the school the school so um i was given this role of being a woman that was being sacrificed in a on an altar in a hell and um so they made me like lay back on this like fake altar mm -hmm. and then they they took caro syrup which was the uh fake blood and they poured it all over me and so I'd lay on this flat back thing with kind of just it was very uncomfortable for four or five hours and then my head was right by the speaker that blasted Mar Marilyn Manson music which just spiritually was just icky like I, right. I hated it I hated it so much it was like I just cried and cried I didn't want to do this and so was they, this your first or second year this was my first year that was your first okay so it got worse in your second year. I just want to. Yeah, this was the okay year. That, yeah, I want to paint that picture. So I'm laying on it, <laughs> and all this caro syrup's just like all over me. When it's solidifying, it's not. It doesn't stay sticky. They'd no. have to come and like redo it every little bit just yeah. to keep it moist. And um, 
and the, the guy, the demon, guy playing the demon that was, like, trying to, like, plunge a knife into me, he would try to encourage me, you know, every few minutes. And so whenever we'd have a, like, the lights would come on and they'd be, like, we'd be live, you know, and I'd be screaming yeah. and stuff. Anyway, so <laughs> they go to, at the end of the night, they call us all together for the wrap-up. And it's, like, I don't know, one in the morning. And um, they are not able to unstick me from the table. <laughs> They have to call in several people to pull my head off from the table. And my hair is completely stuck. And I have really long, thick hair. So it's completely stuck like a board straight up from my scalp a few feet high. And um, I'm just miserable. And I just want to get home. So I walk out in the group and everybody sees me and just starts dying laughing, which... Of course they do, but yeah. I just was not in an emotional place to handle it, you <laughs> right. know? Right. So I go to get my car. I just have plastic bags down on my seats because it's just, I'm nasty. I need to get home. Well, as I'm driving home, I come to the stoplight. And have, have you ever been tired enough? You know what I'm talking about? As you stop at a so- stoplight, the soft lull of moving <laughs> front and back kind of makes you fall asleep. Just that gentle rockiness. So I fell asleep. <laughs> pulling up to a stoplight and so the car moved forward and rear-ended this other car Ugh. well the guy looks back he goes to get out of the car to confront me about it sees me <laughs> with blood all over you oh yeah my hair like yeah. so high blood everywhere yeah. freaks out drives off you know <laughs> it's like oh my gosh and and but this this house of horrors thing i mean there's so many things that i was required to do against my will I didn't want to do that made me feel I like I'm somebody who I it's, I'm actually really careful what movies I watch I don't yeah. watch horror movies or movie, movies with disturbing things because I have really disturbing dreams and they force me into rooms with things like the exorcist and different things where I had to act out stuff and I just I mean I was literally sobbing like don't yeah. make me do this and still um there's like almost no spiritual discernment. Well, it was right? just, it was not so, on your part, not on your part, but on the leadership part. I just felt it was so uncaring. You yeah. see this girl who's like, I don't want to do this. This makes me uncomfortable. Right. Please, please don't make me do this. And yet you're like, no, you're doing it. I don't understand how you can call yourself like a ministry leader. Like a you mature, have lost sight of your leader. role, yeah. right? Yeah. So anyway, I thought this whole thing, I thought this is what, guys, and I'm just a real tippy top of stories here. This is just the the tip of the iceberg yeah. as far as the two yeah. years. But um, I just thought through the whole thing, God wants me to submit. You know, he wants me to, these are my leaders, you know, and, yeah. and if we, if I submit in this and I'm going to be rewarded or honored, you know, and. Or that I'm, whatever it is, whatever the reasoning is. And so, you know, we got through that first phase and they always called, I can't remember exactly what they called it, but they called the House of Horrors kind of like boot camp because it happened right away when you got to the school. Oh yeah, because it had been October. Yeah. Yeah. So you started building it almost right away and the sleep deprivation was a big thing of it. It was Mm. really trying to get... uh, junk i guess that was their excuse to try to get junk out yeah but hold on i do have a question so i know there's ministry schools that intentionally bring things up to reveal things in your heart i don't think that's necessarily a bad thing 
but it's the walking that out. Um, like I know in YWAM, they have, it's like heart week or something like that, where they intentionally deal with wounds, losses, offenses, and walk through resolving those with God, right? Was there anything intentional along those lines to help you process through stuff, to deal with stuff, um, well, uh, other like, than just bringing it You mean up? in the school as a whole? Yeah. Because uh, I mean, like I like I said, I get it if you're if you're intentionally resolving those issues, but if you're just sleep depriving someone just to see how they respond, without giving them a pathway to wholeness or freedom. But I guess, hon, I mean, and you can attest to this: wholeness and freedom wasn't even something in a vocabulary until we were in our mid to late twenties. Right. I mean, that wasn't even something we had been raised in the church our whole you know, lives and never really been introduced with those concepts into those concepts before. Right. It, I mean, so no. What, what we had was, and this is what I'm thankful for, very intentional time of worship. Yeah. Um, yeah, you always you do always talk about your chapel times as yeah. As the really, chapel times were incredible. Yeah, really Very good. intentional quiet times. Um, every morning we had set aside quiet times, and those were really great. A lot of the teachings were very good. Yeah. Um. So, because we had lecture times or teaching times in the morning, we had um, student-led prayer times, different things like that. And then also I had my small group. I actually really learned to love my small group. Yeah. We are kind of the reject small group <laughs> in Can the you... youth group. Cause our youth group, like imagine, you know, the guys that used to stand out the Abercrombie store shirtless <laughs> and nodding. That was the pinnacle of the youth group. Yeah. I was going to say, can you say what your leader would call them? Like what? what you wanted to be or what you wanted to look out for, like who you wanted to go after. Oh, I will. I will get oh, okay. to that eventually. Okay. But that was kind of our, that was kind of the youth group, like A-lister. Yeah. And our group was from the wrong side of the tracks. You know, we were, we were the, the not so cute <laughs> people, the not so coordinated people, the not so, uh, like life's put together. Everybody yeah. had issues. And I love my group because of that reason, because it was quirky and we didn't always have it together. Like whenever there was a song, we were always offbeat because we'd sit together <laughs> with the group. But um, yeah, do you want me to get into that whole yeah. thing? Yeah, let's get into that. Okay. This is a whole nother dynamic of um, the masters. And this is, uh, this is a big part of the youth group as well, the youth group culture. So um, they're the leader um that I was reading the petition against actually she ran the youth group and she had actually mentored the person that ran the um masters masters and she was uh, she was kind of all throughout the 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 ministries there at the church um and I remember just the some of the things that she did, some of the presentations she's had, some of the teachings, and just kind of being concerned at the level of performance that yeah. was 
taught and displayed and just that but it was it was communicated as passion yeah and even i (laughs) who was so wrapped up in performance even at the time was like i don't know i don't know and um i am judging fruit here i'm looking at fruit yeah and what happened is because of a lot of the philosophy, because of the culture, the things that were taught, um, one of it created a very much a um, a desire to uh, elevate and to um, kind of uh, what's the right what word am I looking for? Kind of. Um. But I mean, like the status. Yeah, like there a lot of status was yeah. a big thing. Yeah. Of people that were popular, of yeah. people that were well connected, of people that were um, pretty to look at. Influential. Influential. I mean, basically, it was the influencer culture without right Instagram. You know, it's right. Yeah. I mean, it really was. Yeah. And um, the philosophy was this, and this was taught to me. So I'm not. You know, I'm not just talking here. Mm-hmm. The, the, the lesson was is that you go after what she called the eagles. Like if you go after in discipleship the people that are considered the popular ones, the eagles in the school, then everybody else is going to follow. So if you have somebody in there, everybody's already looking to them. If they come to the Lord, that that's more valuable than somebody who's not considered an eagle because they're going to lead more people. Their actions are going to lead more people to the It's the so Lord. antithetical to the gospel. Right. And, I mean, we were talking about yeah. this, how, how Jesus talks about leaving the 99 to find the one. Right. Right? How he or cares about that... each Sing exactly, every per- yeah. Each and every person, you know? and Or even his own team, his own 12 were not the... Uh, the winning group <laughs> they were not eagles okay let's just call it let's I mean, just say that I mean, you can't say it. none of them were i mean i'm but sure I mean, some of them I mean? were charismatic but i mean that you know wasn't I mean? his criteria right right and um and so whether or not it was unintentional it created a real popularity culture and you whether you were in the youth group or whether you were in masters you judged yourself based on you just kind of felt left out like either you were in the in crowd or you won't you weren't and right. i definitely was not in the in crowd um right and i and i felt that and it's funny because that 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 feeling really stuck with me for a long time of not being good enough mm-hmm. um and I think that cultures are important. They're very important, what kind of culture yeah. you create. And so you create intentional cultures and you create unintentional cultures. Right. And I think unintentional cultures are created um, by things you yourself don't deal with. Right. Right. And one of the facets of the culture that I hated was um, that the seniority thing. So if you were higher up in the years you were there i mean man we had people <laughs> i called them um lifers yeah rockford forever people yeah. that just year after year they keep coming back and which i honestly i felt like was because a lot of these people that stayed there for a really long time it was because they found family there they found stability there and they didn't want to leave that like it was really unsettling the thought of going back to their own home or, sure. or trying to start out a new so i guess i get that in a way yeah but if the if what they're running to is as 
or if not more dysfunctional than what their home would be, again, we get back into that spiritual abuse. And, and, and now we've seen, I mean, you, like I said, you did a deep dive on the people that were in your class, multiple upon multiple people walking away from God, walking away from uh, orthodox beliefs, walking away from orthodox lifestyles that <laughs> are... are uh, it didn't do anything. It didn't help them, right? If they weren't unable, if they were unable to resolve what they had experienced at Masters, it didn't go well, right? right. Yeah. I lost my thought. What was I saying before? <laughs> you, you were you were simply talking about that so hierarchy. Sorry. No, you're my fine. Brain. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and about how people would stay there. Right. And, yeah. Right. So, my brain guys so so yeah so the hierarchy so when you're first year you're basically just everybody's like whipping post yeah yeah they can tell you to do whatever you got to do it and then you get second year and you get a little bit more authority and um to my utter shame i i abused that i did not do well with that and i was telling nathan now that i'm actually really ashamed of that because you know instead of responding with grace it was like well now i finally have some power yeah and this is well, the way it goes. You it's know? funny that you guys are given what is it responsibility without authority. That yeah, and that an was idea? my experience my second year. Yeah. That was a big part of my experience. Yeah. So in my second year, I was put. <laughs> it's so funny to say it. So they decided to start this coffee cart in the church to make money, and I was given the responsibility of working at it. Another third year, who was above me, was supposed to be running it. There was actually two third years. and um, But they were really busy with all their other third year Brigham and Roll. Yeah. So I did a lot of it. And um, I, I, I basically worked it like a job. I, like, paid to work there. and um, <laughs> Made no money for it. But you know no. what, babe? Jesus loved you more. I know. I um, <laughs> So I, I was there all the time. And um, I was given a lot of a, th- a lot of responsibility with the coffee cart, keeping right. it open, making sure things are running, but not any authority to like order what we need. So like we were, I remember we ran out of coffee one time. We ran out of coffee. At the so coffee. So people cart. are coming up like, "Hey, I'd like to get a coffee." And I'm like, "I'm sorry, sir, we have no coffee because I wasn't able to like order it. Right. But I was supposed to keep it running." And um, just stuff like that that was so dumb. And it wasn't a job where I could quit. And it wasn't a, like, I could complain about it or say, you guys are doing this terribly because it was part of my spiritual walk with the Lord. Like, it was part of the way he loved me was making coffee for people. And so um, I one of the other funny stories I'm giving, I'm pulling out. My funniest ones. So this, so I'm working in the coffee car and we are running this youth leaders conference and they had us working kind of like they did for the house of horrors, really late nights, really early mornings, um, just running this thing. And I remember it was a really big deal because we had, um, who's the business guy, um, that writes the books, I, Maxwell, which, John Maxwell. Oh, John Maxwell. Okay. <laughs> I was like, which one? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah the, the. The the guy the that guy. writes the business books. That'd be John Maxwell. <laughs> he came. So he was coming. So it was a really big deal. And um, so every all hands on deck. We're running the coffee cart. And one night I get done. And I it's like 
I don't know, three in the morning and I go out to my car and I'm so tired that um, I get in my car and I'm sipping on this water and I think to myself, wow, I should throw this. I don't really want to drive and hold this water. I'm going to dump it out before I start my drive home. And at the same time, I realize my windows open and I think, wow, I'm so cold. I should close this window. So with one hand, I'm pouring out my drink out the window. And then my other hand, I'm pressing down on the window button to close it. And I'm so tired that my hand starts to get caught up. <laughs> it, it, starts, it starts to get caught up in the thing. And I'm like, <laughs> because my, my hand is going to get cut off by the window. And I... I kid you not. Thank you, Jesus. I did not lose my hand because I came so close. <laughs> I came so close to not stopping pushing that button because I was that tired. And so I finally figured out what I was going to do. And I unhooked, I mean, I took my hand out of the window and I drove home. <laughs> I drove. <laughs> I kept driving. <laughs> but I mean, that's the level of like, exhaustion you know they say sleep deprivation is more impairing than drunk driving like they've done studies well i mean when i was in school there i'd get pulled over for drunk driving oh yeah yeah it's more excuse me ma'am have you had anything to drink no sir i'm so tired can i just sleep in your car (laughs) i just uh was working for jesus that's all he makes me so tired I'm so tired all the time when I work for Jesus. Goodness. <laughs> uh, and so, um, so yeah, so my second year was really encapsulated with a lot of responsibility. I was given a lot more responsibility that year and none of the authority to see it out. So it was a lot right. of the make it happen kind of mentality right. pushed right. my way. And um, I don't know. I guess I want to take this moment to say if – someone's listening to this and they ever felt that kind of mentality from me, I want to apologize to you um, because that's wrong. And I, and I, and I should have never lived out of that place. Um, And so I am sorry for participating in any of that. Um, I don't, I don't know specifically, but I know my attitude at the time, that attitude rubbed off on me. Yeah. And even though I felt powerless under it, I know instead of turning around and being different, I did embrace it because of the, I'm, I'm not even going to make excuses. Yeah. I, I did it. And so I, I do claim, I do own that. Um, but I think that's the problem with cultures is yeah. they reproduce. And the funniest thing is they'd even teach us that. Like that was one of the lessons that we would be yeah. taught is that you, um, you make who you are. You reproduce who you, you are. You reproduce who well, you it's, are. It, it's interesting because you look at the verse. Um, <laughs> you look at the verse in Proverbs, train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. And a lot of Christians use that to be like, I'm training my kid up in Jesus. And it's like, no, you're training your kid up in anger, right. manipulation, control, fear. And when they're old. They will walk in anger, manipulation, mm-hmm. control, and fear. And... It's funny because it's so true that the culture that we create, the atmosphere we create around us is not one of let me tell you what my atmosphere is. It's one that 
exudes out of us and and you can tell a lot about a ministry or a culture like you were saying on on the fruit what is the fruit of this ministry is it is it building hope is it building peace is it building rest is it building life and wholeness and freedom and forgiveness and you know repentance of uh, when things are wrong right even leadership when things go wrong are are the leadership willing to to own it you know own hey i did this and this was wrong um those are what you look for in terms of the atmosphere or in terms of the fruit of a person and a ministry i mean it's both 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 of them um, because the ministry really emanates out of the person who who started it, right? Um, so one of the you know one of the things that you and I were talking about is um, we can't touch on this subject without talking about unresolved wounds with leadership, right? Mm-hmm. Like uh, on on leaders' parts, they you know same with them. If there are unresolved things in their own hearts from their own childhoods, from their own ministry experiences, they will live out of that, right. and they can build ministries out of it. You look for the eagle. You look for the popular one. Intentional or unintentional, right? And right. now, now I'm totally reading into this, but I'll give you an example. So the the mindset of having to look for the eagle, look for the popular person, look for the person who's shining and, you know, who... My assumption is one of two things. Number one, maybe that person was popular and it's like, well, obviously we got to go for the popular people. Or the opposite. Maybe they grew up in a home where they were unheard, uncared for, right? Like all of these things, they're they're made to feel worthless. So you know what? I'm going to surround myself with popular people and I'm going to build a ministry off... I'm going to build a I'm going to build a method. I'm going to build a measurable ministry strategy off of finding the popular kid. And because it's ministry, this is obviously a really healthy spiritual thing to do in our churches is to make sure we are looking at our statistics, looking at our analytics. Well, I mean, yeah, and that's one of the things we are talking about too is the whole business strategy models applied to church strategy yeah. or ministry, ministry strategy yeah. yes and i mean i i have been suckered into that approach <laughs> before. Well, I was gonna say, you, you and i were both like media and creative arts yeah and so yeah i don't think all of it i mean it's a baby bathwater situation but at the same time there are principles of the kingdom yeah. like when it, to, you when, know what to to serve i mean we're yeah. supposed to serve well and the and the thing is is when it comes down to it am i going to be led by the holy spirit right. or am i going to be led by strategy what my analytics tell me right 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 um yes and i and i think that really pinnacalizes it hun that we can't stick so hard and fast to a strategy or a plan or a formula yeah. that we neglect asking the Holy Spirit what he's going to do. Because, I mean, you don't see Paul doing his missionary journeys going, well, I have this all written out, God. I'm not going to change it up now. Or or analytics would say, right. they're stoning me. I should leave town. Right. No, he goes back High in. High chance this boat is going to get shipwrecked. You know, He like, looked at his analytics and goes, where am I tanking? I'm going to double down on that. <laughs> But it's like, <laughs> but uh, uh, seriously though, looking at either if you've been under a ministry leader, spiritual leader, pastor, 
coach, uh, camp counselor, whatever it is, and you've felt offended, whether you felt abused, whether you felt whatever it is, we always go back to you have to walk through forgiveness. Otherwise, you will be carrying that offense into your next ministry opportunity or family or whatever it is. And any leader, any leader. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh, look, exactly. So me and my any mom. Authority. Oh, yeah. Me and my mom, when when uh, when they had finally my parents had finally divorced, my mom and I, you know, we were really hesitant to go to church because we viewed every pastor as an abuser. Like we we assumed that whoever was speaking on stage probably abused their family. That was our assumption going into church because we had not dealt with the wound of our experience. And that's what happens is if you don't resolve those wounds, you will bring them into your next relationships, bring them into your next experiences, and you you won't be able to see the goodness of God. You And ultimately, that's the whole crux of the situation is seeing God's goodness and faithfulness, knowing he hears you, knowing he cares for you. And that can only happen when you resolve your experiences. Well, and also it reveals to you what the lie was. Yeah. Like in my case, it took a lot of years to shake out all of those lies. You know, oh, years. Like, you know, this just talking, you know, this verse in Hebrews talks about how we are his delightful child. You know, and that, mm-hmm. that idea of being the delightful child of God, like he delights in me, that's not something I felt for yeah. a very yeah. long time. That's not something I understood. That's not something I knew how to live in, yeah. you know? And um, back to what you were saying about processing, I kind of want to hit on some strategies for that. Um, not strategies, baby. <laughs> I say strategies. We it's my head because we're talking about it. But um, <laughs> I guess number one to help clarify yeah. is that you can't forgive an organization. You yeah. can't forgive a group. There's always people in a group and I know Walmart did this to me right and so it's not about just wow I really want to do this process book um this freedom booklet on a group no pick a person yeah and when you're done with that pick person do another person like think through who it was that hurt offended wounded you and do a person at a time ask the Lord to really highlight who it was and and do that person um and then also I'm not going to say you haven't forgiven if you say, well, I've already forgiven it. But what I will say is our freedom booklets do, even if you have forgiven, they help you kind of get into some of those lies that you might have taken out of the experience. So don't neglect walking through one if you're still feeling some residue um, from that, some offense, some... Um, belief systems, whatever it may be, if you still kind of feel a little bit like, man, I don't want to go, I have a problem with authority or I don't want to go back to church to kind of dive into that because chances are pretty good. There's probably still some stuff left in there that the Lord wants to heal you from. We have a great, you know, and if you're listening to this or watching this (laughs) and you're just confused, like, I don't even know where to begin. We have a, um, resource called the, um, habit worksheet behavioral worksheet i forget what it's called anyways it's a great great resource the identity tree the identity yeah 
Yeah, but I renamed it because the identity tree doesn't... Why did you do that? Because you just it confused everybody, including yourself. I know. I did confuse myself. <laughs> this is unacceptable. <laughs> you can't it's... create a resource and then change the name on it a bunch of times. This is literally the second time <laughs> I've done it. It's too many. Anyways, it's... Obviously. Anyways, it's a worksheet that walks you through, okay, here are my behaviors. Too bad you can't find it. It's on our website. <laughs> If you go to the Freedom Booklet, you'll actually see a link for it. So there. Go to the Freedom Booklet. We just don't know what that link's called. Oh, my. (laughs) (laughs) My analytics said I needed to make things more clear, so I doubled down on the opposite. Wow, okay. Um, Okay. (laughs) No. Uh, Anyways, it helps you walk through, okay, here's my behavior. So like you were saying, I don't want to go to church. I don't feel like I should go to church. um, Or I don't feel like I should... uh, Whatever, whatever it is, dealing with leadership, you know. Um, okay, that's the behavior, but it walks through the feelings as to why, like, what are you feeling? And then it gets ultimately down to the experience. What was the experience that made you first feel that way? And then you take that, you know, the, the, what you, what you feel like the Holy Spirit revealed there. Then you bring that over to the freedom booklet and you walk through that experience to help you free you, to help free you of that um, and resolve ultimately releasing it, forgiving, uh, forgiving the person and releasing that person to God. And then what is the truth that he wants you to walk uh, out of that with? What, what is, what does he, it, whenever we give God something, he always desires to give us something in return. Uh, I use the analogy, uh, the story of Jesus when he says, listen, we can clean out a house, we get rid of the demons, but if we don't fill it with something else, then they'll come back worse. And so it's the idea of, you know, as Christians, we're always good at, I'm just giving it to Jesus, I'm giving it to Jesus. And it's like, we're always giving him something and we're never taking the truth that he wants to give us in return, right? Right. Um, so yeah, can you hand me your phone? I'm going to look it up. I, I need to give the... Well, I got to tell one title. last funny story. Okay. So at the time it wasn't funny, but um, thinking about the ridiculous of it, like I've been saying, is, is funny now. So they had a sub-ministry that would travel and go to schools, and it was called um, RYI, and they would like break bricks and rip phone books and you know it was big when the like strongman stuff was big and then they'd have a motivational speaker um, strongman stuff is still big we have friends who do it oh do we yeah we do sorry <laughs> i don't know i'm not like up on school Strong. you're not up on strongman i'm stuff. not i'm not <laughs> but the guy would come out and give like a motivational speech and then um you know they do a, ooh, ooh, a rally ooh. that night the habit worksheet that's what it's called, the habit worksheet. Thank you for interrupting and not waiting. I, cu- I couldn't. I had got it. Sorry, go ahead. Good. My bad. Anything else you want to say while the mic is yours? No, I'm sorry. <laughs> okay, okay. So they do these. Continue with your strongman story. Thank you. And they do these <laughs> assemblies and they travel, okay? And so I don't know how many students there were. I think there's like 110. And um, this was... <laughs> Another thing that was so hurtful is that everybody got to go on a trip. Everybody. Except for me and one other person. <laughs> Not in my whole two years was I able to go on a trip. And that was like a big reason why I like picked this group to go or this thing to go to. But anyway, so um, here I am called out on a Saturday, which was supposed to be our day off. 
to raise money for RYI, which was yes. called Radical Youth Invasion. They changed it. Good thing they called it RYI. I know. They changed it to reinvent your identity because they realized <laughs> that the name was dated. So we had to raise money for this ministry, and we'd come in on our day off, which was really desperately needed, and you'd show up, and you were told your team, after you, after we were divided into teams, your team had to earn $500 or they couldn't go home. And so <laughs> all all day was our task was earning $500. They didn't really care how we did it. We were kind of given a shell of a thing to do (laughs) and we were sent across the city. So, I mean, some people would be assigned to gas stations and you'd run up to people getting out of their car and say, hello, can I pump your gas for money? And then other people were like had car wash things. Some groups resorted to selling hugs. I remember one time it was too cold to do what they told us to do. So we went into Walmart and bought hot chocolate and made a hot chocolate stand. <laughs> That's awesome. It was so gross. And um, I don't, I mean, we had I like hot chocolate. Yeah. You're going to buy it from some adults and a little. No. Yeah. So, some sir, can I interest you in some Swiss Miss? <laughs> no, I'm going to go right at, behind you there and buy it myself. <laughs> right. Right. So, you know, we had one t- tattered brochure between all of us we kind of had to share. And honest, surprisingly enough, some people gave us money. I don't know how it happened, but, you know, sometimes you do it faster than others. And some days when push came to shove you ran out of options you had to do the worst option of them all and it was going door to door and so you'd team up with another person and you would literally go knock on a door and say hi i'm raising money for ryi and you'd have your spiel say can you give us any money for it which i just think about grown adults showing up at my door doing that like, nope. I mean, young adults, but still. We've even had people selling us magazines, and we're still like, no, thank you. Well, yeah, I mean, most people turn away people that are door-to-door, unless they're a cute kid or something, like, you know, like our daughter selling chocolate. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and But we did it, and we do it for hours and hours and hours. <coughs> um, I had to do that a lot with masters. We'd have to do it for pledges for different things, too. I mean, a lot of sales stuff. Hmm. Or just asking for money. I mean, I guess it wasn't yeah. even sales. It was just asking. No, you were just asking, asking money. for money. They didn't get anything in return. Right. And we were no. so motivated because we just wanted to go home, you oh know? <laughs> it's but so bad. I know. I know. I, I didn't, at the time, I didn't think about how bad it was, the group that sold the hugs, but that's. <laughs> I bet you they made a lot of money. I, well, they got, went home faster than the rest of us. <laughs> yeah, you got to do what you got to do. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> All right, we should wrap this up. Yeah, I think so. Well, thank you for listening. Like we said, please, please, please look into uh, our resources, the Habit Worksheet, the Freedom Booklet, both of those. If you find yourself um, feeling like you have to perform or produce or feeling like nothing you do is good enough for for God or you feel constantly less than um, man, we, we highly recommend using those resources. There's videos, um, but really the, the easiest way to, in probably most powerful way is just download the freedom booklet and pray, God, who do you want me to forgive? God, you know, and, and ask him every question that's in the booklet and let him respond. 
um, we found incredible, incredible success when pe- when I've, I've just walked with someone earlier this week where we would pray and God would give them the answer. Like they didn't have to think about it too much. Um, it's, it's, it'll revolutionize your relationship with God. So habit worksheet, freedom booklet. Thank you guys so much for listening. And, um, actually, babe, do you mind praying for, uh, over this one? Cause I feel like there might be people out there that have dealt with spiritual abuse or maybe are still in it. Um, right. do, do you mind praying over them? Yeah. Um, so first of all, I, I, I want to pinpoint people that have dealt with abuse from, a christian organization mm-hmm. or something uh, kind of like mine you know mm-hmm. or they gave themselves over to ministry a ministry. church no Bible no I'm, I'm being specific right oh now. you are okay sorry uh a group whether it be a master's commission a internship a ywam mm-hmm. uh, i want to i want to speak to you right now that um to not let that define your future and even if you feel like it's not to value that some things happened at that time in your life that tried to steal from you and tried to steal your future from you. If, if you walked away disillusioned, I'm sure there's people that haven't. But I know for years that I discounted how much that cost me hmm. um, and how painful it was because I, I, I felt like I was overreacting. And so I just want to encourage you that if listening to this, you f- kind of were able to to hear a little bit of yourself in that to, to bring that to the Lord and um, start talking about that with him so and I and I definitely agree with Nathan that this can happen in um, churches mm-hmm. this can happen in organizations this can happen when you're happy heart you just go for it to volunteer with something and you just have the best intentions in the world and you walk yeah. away just broken and I want to speak to that too that um, authority, that God's authority is not in an earthquake, it's not in a fire, it's not in a flood, but it's in a whisper. Yeah. And he comes to us gentle and he takes care of our needs. And authority also, yeah. like I said earlier, serves, serves. Yeah. And so um, just know that the heart of the Father towards you, whatever you experience, that if it doesn't line up with those things, that that's it's not accurate. So I just right now, Father God, I lift up all of these stories. I lift up all of this pain. I lift up all of these um, these fruits that don't line up with you. And we just present them before you. And we ask you to take them. We ask you to replace all of this pain with something beautiful. Thank you, God. Lord God, we give you our experiences. And whether we feel mm. like we should still be affected by them or not, whether they happened 20 years ago or not. I pray that if there was lies that have been stuck in our hearts and our minds and we're reacting to those lies, I pray that you may pull them out of us and that we may be able to just give them to you. Lord, I pray, um, I just pray for people that have participated in abuse, whether, um, not fully realizing it or Mm -hmm. fully realizing it. I know that both can be true and I just pray that you may forgive thank you God and that uh, we may be able to see each other the way you see us God I, I do I pray that you may cover um, 
cover all of these things that have been done and that you may bring healing, healing to places that are broken, healing to um, people that have been overlooked, that don't, that have been made to feel like they're not the one that Jesus yes, went Jesus. to go find because they are. So Lord, this, this whole um, idea of authority, this whole mm. idea of who you are and how you love, how you love, and there's just no fear in love. There's no fear in your love. Yes, Jesus. I pray that that may be made anew. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you, babe. Um, all right, guys. Well, <coughs> I'm going to go and sleep. <laughs> okay. Goodbye. <laughs>